0: What, you have a podcast? Can we just take a second and fully abbreviate this moment together. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. He's a jackass. What is the cost of lies? Dogs and cats living together, Masses hysteria! Fighting fascism is a full-time job! Hello, and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Frame, and today is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. This is actually take two. I got about a whole two minutes in before I realized the audio track was all kinds of messed up. Okay, so, um... In the 90s, there was this uh, movie. It was pretty decent. It's called Speechless, and it stars Michael Keaton and Gina Davis, and it's a rom-com, so, you know, that going up, but the basic premise of the movie is that these two characters are speechwriters for opposing candidates, so each one works for a different team, and uh, it, it's pretty good as far as rom-coms go. There, there's very little about actual politics. It's, it's all... Uh, very ideological, pie in the sky. They don't really get down to the nitty gritty of what the difference is between these two candidates. It's it's all very you know uh, very easygoing. Uh, so it's it's not a it's not a political movie. It's a rom com with politics as a very 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 far backdrop. You know it could have very easily just been that these two worked at a rival advertisement agencies, kind of a deal. Uh, but anyway one of the running gags throughout i think the first two-thirds of the movie is uh that at six o'clock for the six o'clock news this is before 24-hour news was really a thing uh, you know, every night at six, the staffers and the speechwriters and everybody working for the campaigns would all huddle around the televisions, waiting for the six o'clock news to start. And they would always be very, very mad because the first story, right, that's, that's all anybody cares about is what the, what the lead story of the night is. And the lead story is never them right? It's, it has nothing to do with the campaign. And they're always like, ah, boo, right? And what is the number one story? It's this story about a bear cub that fell down a well. And so everybody's trying to get this poor bear cub out of the well. And it's, it's of course, it's playing on uh, close historical, you know, there was a baby that fell and, you know, the whole country was wrapped up around that whole saga and and everything. So they're making, they're kind of making fun of that. But, but also it's just, it's really funny because this scene happens several times through the movie where it's six o'clock, they're all waiting, they turn on the news. And what they want to see is that whatever trick or story they tried to push uh, is the number one story of the day. And it never ever works right it's always this stupid bear and by the end of the movie you know they they, they're throwing things at the tv staples and and popcorn like boo they're booing the bear it's not the bear's fault of course the bears like super cuddly and cute so that doesn't help and uh and they're sitting there and then all of a sudden uh spoilers by the way in case you've never seen this so you know it's been out for over 20 years it's good Uh, give it a watch anyway uh spoilers Uh, Towards the end of the movie, though, Gina Davis figures out a way to make her candidate the number one story, and what she does is she convinces the candidate, go where the bear is. And, of course, he happens to be there as they're finally rescuing the bear, so it's her candidate literally holding the bear (laughs) that has been dominating the news cycle, and the other team, instead of booing, their jaws are just on the floor because they realize they just got owned. They did. Their candidate took the most popular news story at the time and completely took it over. And now it's about him. And of course, he gives this very loving speech about he's oh, he's just there to unite Americans. And and America was united behind this. So he had to come and help the poor bear. And it's 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 funny. But that brings me to what's going on today. And I totally fucking called it. Um, you know, I wish I posted it in on my actual Uh, recovery from politics uh, page. I didn't like an idiot. I I, instead I posted it on on a discord that I'm with and I posted on Facebook for my personal friends to see but they can vouch for me. I totally called it. Um, The number one story right now kind of sort of I mean there's always big stories so there's like one or two or three floating around in the nether and the one that's big right now is the UAW strike. The auto workers are striking and that's a big story. It's also a big story when it comes to presidential politics, but most people thought it was gonna be more in the background because Biden has positioned himself as the pro-union candidate for president. Now, I disagree with that. I think he's like any president and is very, uh, he's a little more practical about it. He only supports particular causes, and I do think that in this case, the CEOs were already trying to bait him into, well, if you want those electric vehicles, you'll back us kind of a deal. So I was like, okay, this is going to happen. But, but I totally, totally fucking called it because I was like, look, this is the kind of stupid thing that Trump has this lizard brain reality thing going on and he knows a good story and he knows how to grab a hold of that story and then make it his own and sure enough i open up the news today and trump during the second gop debate will not be there he instead will be making a prime time address to the united auto workers he's going to one of their rallies and he's going to give a speech and make it all about him and of course he's going to talk about how biden failed him Uh, how the owners of the car manufacturers failed them, but also he's taking shots at the union leader. He's saying that he's failed them because, of course, he can't give credit to anybody. It's got to be about him and how he would do better and everything. And I like how... The the funny thing was, I was dismissed by a few people who were like, no, the Republicans aren't getting involved in this, blah, 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 blah. I was like, look, you don't understand. Trump sells Faw populism so well because... Remember, he came in and he was like, I'm all about the people and I want to increase your wages and I want to do good things for you. And he'll even talk a big game when he goes to the Republican Party and is like, don't you dare cut Social Security and Medicare, you idiots, right? He wants to destroy Obamacare, but not Medicare and Social Security. Like, he just wants to get rid of Obamacare. He, he'd be fine if they just renamed it Trump Care, honestly. Um... So he he's very much he sells that image and that story, that narrative that I am for here for the people. Now, he never delivers on this ever. He hasn't ever. The only thing he did was give a tax cut to billionaires. Okay. He has never delivered on his populist bullshit, right? He just knows this is what the people want to hear. So I was always sitting there going, you know, this seems like something he would do. He's going to go down there. He's going to make it about him. And honestly, this is what Biden should have done. Biden should have been on the picket line because at the time that I made this statement, the only politician who had said they support the strikers and are actually going to go there and do something was Bernie Sanders. But Bernie Sanders has a track record of always being there for the unions. Nobody else does. So I saw this as a a hell of an opening because I'm like, look, Trump never delivers he is full of shit and he is not going to be able to keep the promises that he's trying to make but he's not even gonna try because he's not about that he just knows if I go there the story will be about me I will take over one of the number one stories in the country because he has no power when it comes to Biden's impeachment which is one of the other big nebulous stories that's going on out there and he can't do anything about Ukraine but he can do something about the United Auto Workers he can He can go down there and make the story about him. He can't take over Ukraine and Russia. He's already Ukraine and Russia adjacent. Like, you can't talk about what's going on over there without mentioning the fact that he tried to, you know... Uh, bribe and and extort uh, a foreign leader. Uh, he can't talk about Biden's impeachment without also facing questions about his own impeachment. So he's got to stay out of those arenas. And the, uh, the next biggest action is this auto worker strike. And this was like primed for him because he's always like, I support the truckers and I'm here. And this is just a perfect opportunity for him to poke someone in the eye, particularly the, the Democrats and Biden. While also trying to make himself seem a certain way. And again, you know, a lot of the people who push back were like, dude, people aren't that stupid. They know he's full of shit. And I'm like, yes, but you don't understand. There is a serious contingent of Americans in this country who don't read past the headline. They just don't. They see the chyron on the bottom of the news screen or if they do see a newspaper they only read the headline and they move on they are not interested in anything else and a lot of voters don't even read the headlines they just get the memes they get the you know that they hear the 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 water spout talk at work They, they really just don't you know they don't follow this stuff but just by virtue of living in america and living with other americans you do hear about things and what they're going to hear is donald trump went to a rally in favor of auto workers okay they don't have to go into the fact that he's attacking union membership they don't have to go into the fact that he's never fucking delivered on any of this they just know hey you know who actually went down to the strike donald trump did and he's running for president and that immediately gets them thinking well what does biden do The only news about Biden was how he sold out the train workers. So, I mean, come on. This is a no-brainer to me. I was sitting here. I thought this was just like, like, seriously. I thought this was a complete no-brainer. This is exactly up Donald Trump's alley. This is exactly who he is. This is why the media doesn't get him because nobody else was predicting this as far as I could tell. And this is also why the left totally misses him. Like they want to dismiss him as a clown and a lunatic and he is okay. But he has got this lizard cunning of knowing when to attack and when not to. I've always said the time that I knew that Donald Trump just isn't stupid. Okay. He isn't stupid. The time I knew for a fact was Stephen King and Eminem, both of those guys, were going at him hard, calling him out, and he not once took the bait. Now, he'll go after a lot of people. He has no qualms about going after people, but he does pick and choose his enemies, and he knows better than to go after wordsmiths. He knows if he goes after Stephen King or Eminem, he will get absolutely fucking crushed. Those two men will run circles around him verbally. He can't compete with that. And he knows he can't. And he stays out of it, which proves to me the man is not dumb. Okay, I'm sorry. He does childish things. He's definitely a narcissist. He's, he's always concerned about himself and how things work. But he has got a lizard cunning of knowing when to pick and choose his fights. And for me, I saw this and I was like, look, if Biden doesn't jump down there and make this story about him, Trump will. That is what he does. This is tailor-made for him. So of course he's doing that. Uh, He's running ads in areas like uh, Detroit where he's trying to tell everyone, you know, the Biden administration has left the auto workers behind and I've always considered you, you know, uh, real Americans, right? That's his thing, that's his shtick. And it fucking works. Um, So yeah, I'm just gonna pat myself on the back for that one because I totally fucking called it. And it really pisses me off because I'm just a guy sitting at home. I, I shouldn't be coming up with this stuff. Like, was there no one in the White House who was advising the president of the United States? Is there no one smart who's making like six, seven figures working in government who's like, hey, if we don't get a hold of this, there's a certain orange god king who's going to come in and fucking take it over and make us look bad. And, and they didn't. And I'm not even saying Biden had to go. I understand maybe Biden's not the right messenger, but I mean, for fuck's sake, you have a cabinet. You have a transportation secretary who is probably the best flat-out communicator the Democrats have in Pete Buttigieg. I know he's full-on capitalist and, and all that, but he is an excellent communicator, and I don't think you can deny him of that. You could have sent him down. He is, you know a cabinet position involved with transportation. Auto workers are that way. I mean, is he directly involved? Probably not, but still, if you wanted to send an ambassador to there, other than Biden, you could have sent Buttigieg, you could have even sent Kamala Harris. Okay, there's nothing wrong with sending your vice president. I know she's not popular, but you have to show interest. You have to show that you care. You have to show that you listen. If you don't show that you're listening, people will resort to the ones who do and right now the second trump makes that speech whether he's right whether he's wrong whether he fulfills his promises or not there's going to be a significant contingent of voters in this country who are going to look and be like you know what at least trump gets me and that's how you get 2016 all over again so you know really we have to stop underestimating this guy it's so ridiculous to me. And, you know, I've given up on the media. They're idiots. What really bothers me is that the Democratic Party is run by idiots. Okay, I'm, I'm confirmed now. Sorry. They're all fools. Not a single one of them, you know, made this case on television or made this case to the president. Like, there are people who can pick up the phone and call the goddamn president and he will answer. And not one of them brought this up and was like, you need to fucking get a hold of this. This guy will do this. So it just really, it really bugs me. I don't have a college degree. I'm just a guy who reads a lot and, and you know, studies the news and follows it like a hawk. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, how do you guys not see this? You know, Trump's a billionaire. So as far as being you know, isolated, you know, we we talk about the beltway and how all the politicians can be up their own asses with stories and how they just become disconnected from the populace. Trump's no different. He's a fucking billionaire who lives on a golf course, okay? He is isolated from it, but he at least seems to take interest in, you know, peeking out behind the curtain and seeing, like, what, what are the plebs doing these days? Like, Biden just doesn't seem to give a fuck. Maybe he does, and he is way too fat past you know uh he's losing too many miles on his fastball to like actually get out there and do it but for fuck's sake this is why presidents have staffs and and cabinet members and you know big name donors and advisors and and for fuck's sake this is this this was so easy to me and it really bothers me because this is a headline news story today this is it you know, it's this and some shocking revelation that other countries assassinate people today. Uh, in case you missed it, India apparently did one, and Canada's really mad about it. I didn't go into the story, but anyway. Yeah. On a side note, um, so I saw Oppenheimer yesterday, finally. I have kids. It's a three-hour movie. It's it, Logistics can be difficult sometimes, and it's not a movie you want to take your kids to. Okay, there are two uh, sex scenes that are odd. I'll just say odd. Like if a a normal sex scene, I could, I could, I could explain to my kids, you know, it's, it's normal. It's traditional. Nothing weird's going on. You know what I mean? It's pretty, it's boring. Um, but, uh, these, there are just two scenes in this movie where you're just like, why are we seeing this? And I'm not a prude. I I love sex in movies. I have nothing against it. Uh, in fact, I think Hollywood tends to be pretty uh, hands off these days. Um, honestly, I think I think I, I think that's the MCU model. I think because there are so many successful uh, comic book movies that have absolutely no sex in them at all. Um, you know, other than maybe Scarlett Johansson uh, with the zipper suit, just a little low. I mean, other than that, there's really nothing in there, and I think the rest of Hollywood's followed suit. Um, I don't think they should be as prudish. I think I think there should be a lot more. So, th- just letting you know, this is not coming from somebody who's a prude and against sex, but uh, I really do have to question the like there. There was there didn't seem to be a reason for either of the scenes. Like, I get it they had sex. Um, anyway, don't take your kids to see it. If you don't want to have an odd conversation about that. Um, but the thing that really bothered me about it was that this film pulls its punches very hard. Okay. They, they talk a lot about the moral quandary that is the nuclear bomb and yes. Um, but there's not a single Japanese person in the film at all. Even even somebody you know, you don't have to see the devastation. And in one case they have this scene where people are in a movie theater because that's how they got their news back then, and you can see that they're watching something and you hear the the old-timey news voice kick on and it's all like and this is the destruction of Hiroshima, you know, and it, it you know, obviously is showing the destroyed buildings and the crumpled bodies and all the horrid 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 whole horrible things that happened. And all you see is this all white uh, uh, audience, and Oppenheimer, and you get their reaction shots to it. So they won't even show you what actually happened. Instead, they're just like, "Look how horrible it is." Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer's tearing himself apart, and you see him, and he looks really sad and uh, you know horrified, obviously. But but I, I felt like you know what the fuck is the point of this movie? It had no moral compass at all. You had the argument, but nobody was really making it and there didn't seem to be a through line through the movie there was no overarching theme of like what the fuck is the point of this movie is this movie to tell us you know man shouldn't fuck with nature in such ways is this is this a movie telling us you know we should trust our enemies because there is a huge plot point about how you know they're, they're close to having the bomb finished and a lot of the scientists are like why are we not telling the russians about this aren't they our allies right now you know, and, and they weren't talking from like communist sympathies, they were just talking about, you know, hey, why don't we invite the Russians, they might be able to help kind of a deal. And so there is that discussion going on. But it, it's it's like, we we don't discuss that. And then of course, we, we you know, the ending of the film is all about uh, smearing Oppenheimer, because now he's anti-nuke, even though he built the thing. And he's very popular because he's known as the guy. Who built the thing so of course the government has to crush him because you can't have anti-nuke when you've got Truman and Eisenhower like let's build more and bigger um, you know going on so they had to crush him by you know the whole McCarthy hearings and everything else Um, but 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 that that was my problem with it and I love history and I only bring it up because it seems to I don't know drop the ball when it comes to what happened over there with the Japanese like there was no reason to do this you can say you saved American lives um, sure. But, you know, there are a lot of stories that are bullshit. There are some that are true. There there are true stories and true accounts of Japanese, uh, you know, hiding in caves as the, uh, you know, the American soldiers come over and the, in, in the back of these caves, they're handing out grenades and they're like, Hey, when the Americans come in, run at them with this grenade and, and blow yourself up and the japanese did tell their own citizens hey if the americans catch you especially if you're a woman they're going to they're going to rape you and then kill you and then maybe rape you after you're dead you know kind of a deal really horrific stuff they're going to decapitate your children that's the thing that the japanese told them that the americans would do if they got captured so you know fight to the last man kind of a deal now this was propaganda from the from the japanese point of view however the americans also had the the opposite you know um The the propaganda wing of the American government took those news stories and amplified them even further to the point that some Americans weren't even bothering to ask if anyone wanted to give up and just went in and mowed them down. I'm not blaming soldiers for doing what soldiers do during war, and of course everyone was misled and programmed to do and act certain ways that their government wanted them to, so this isn't judgment. Um, This is just that, you know, maybe we shouldn't do war, but... Um, the, the idea that we couldn't invade, right, uh, it has never sat well with me. Uh, I, I didn't buy it. I was like, what are you talking about? We've been invading this whole time over in Germany and here. Like, The defeat of Japan was a foregone conclusion. It was just, do you want it over now or do you want it over in a couple months? And another reason you have to understand that we wanted Japan to surrender to us specifically was because we knew, okay, if we invade Japan, Russia's going to invade Japan. I mean, Russia's right there. Look at a map. They're right there, right? And they've been fighting the Japanese this whole time as well. So, it was very clear that uh, an invasion would be a two-front war just like Germany, right? Uh, The Russians coming in uh, from the east and us coming in from the west and then we both end up in Berlin and we take out the Germans and then we turn all our focus to Japan and the plan without the bomb was very similar. We go in and do that. Well, America did not want to concede that they needed the Russians' help back then. They didn't want to concede the Soviet Union. They didn't want to concede to Stalin that we needed his help or or anything. They didn't want to give him any excuses, and they were also concerned that if Stalin comes in with all his tanks and everything that he's got, that he's going to end up taking over the Japanese islands and possibly converting them to communism which, I mean, it isn't, it isn't far-fetched considering what happened over there with the, the, uh, the, the Iron Curtain. Um, so it, it is a plausible thing, but the idea that we did it to save American lives is absolute horseshit, and we ended up poisoning and killing hundreds of thousands of civilians, and that should be noted, civilians. You know, we did drop on these, on these towns... Uh, because there were military things there, there were factories, but, but ultimately, th- these were civilians, okay? Uh, that would be like if you were sitting at home and you got bombed by Iraq, I know it's not feasible, but hypothetically, you were bombed at I- bombed by the Iraqis, what the fuck did you do? You just went to work every day. Like, your country is going to war over there, but you didn't do shit, Right. Like, that's something we have to consider is that there's no such thing as a war that just happens over there. It's going to come home in one way or another. And I really felt that Oppenheimer dropped the ball or pulled its punches or maybe just had no interest in telling that story and was just like, "No, we're super hyper-focused on Oppenheimer. But even then, um, not so much the case. Like, I was way more interested with the story's villain. Now, that happens typically. Villains have a more interesting story. Um... But in this case, it's played by Robert Downey Jr. And honestly, he'll probably get nominated for all the awards on this. He, he might even win them. Um, he gives one of the best villain monologues towards the end of the film that, that I've ever seen. Just like it's a really good monologue and he fucking nails it. Like he is really good in this. Um, but he is the villain. And I, at the end of the movie, I just really wanted to see more of him. I was like, okay, Oppenheimer's boring kind of. Uh, he's, you know, I, I want to see more of this Strauss guy. Like, like, let's make a movie out of this guy. Cause he seems to really be a conniving asshole and that just makes for better drama for me. Um, so yeah, see it for the acting, except for the guy who plays Truman. Um, I, I love the actor, but he was miscast. Uh, but, but I really, <sighs> if you're going to make a movie like this, I think it is, I think it's necessary to show like hey, this is what the fuck one of these does, right? like you do understand this is why war must be avoided at all costs like like this is some scary shit um, and it the, the movie just glosses over it. at no point do you see anybody with radiation poisoning you don't see anything you see an imagined there's a scene where uh Oppenheimer's hallucinating and he imagines he sees. Uh, people falling victim to the bomb, but it's not firsthand. It's not like you you knew the people that were, you know, falling apart in front of his eyes. Um, so it, it, I don't know. I, I just really had a lot of mixed feelings about it. I thought the film was well cast and well acted with the exception of, uh, the casting of Truman. It just pulled me out of the film. It wasn't Truman. It was this actor I know in a Truman haircut and a funny bow tie. It, it just, it missed, um, Honestly, the the, the best Truman depiction I've seen on film was uh, Gary Sinise. He did a a miniseries that was, uh, he nailed it. He did great. Um, This was probably closer to Truman's true character, but um, as far as looking the part and totally falling into it and being believable, Gary Sinise, definitely check that out if you get a chance. Um, I always love seeing different depictions of presidents. Uh, I get a kick out of it. That's just me. Anyway, that was Oppenheimer. I'll probably go see something else today, but, uh, yeah. Ah, the Orange God King strikes again, and, uh, in this case, I can say I totally saw it coming. So, yeah, pat on the back of me. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. You can always email me directly at recoveryfrompolitics at gmail.com. I can also be found on Facebook, threads, and most social media sites, except the site formerly known as Twitter. That's a Nazi site, and you will not see me on it anymore. Your support is crucial, as this show is not monetized. It is a one-man show using free software on his free time, so your reviews mean a lot. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.